Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Only this time, broadcasting from the Minnesota State Fair here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Nice to uh, have uh, some good folks out here. Yeah, good morning. And Julie Weisenhorns, but I haven't seen you for a while. I know. I've had a little, I've been a little under the weather, but... Feeling strong now. <laughs> All right. We get some fresh air out here on our, our, our veranda. Now, for folks uh, back home and here at the fair, who did you bring with you again this uh, year? Again this year, we have uh, Dr. Eric Watkins. He's uh, one of our turf grass uh, professors in our Department of Horticultural Science. So if you have a lawn or garden question, I mean it, lawn or garden, uh, we uh, welcome your questions here at the fair. Uh, we'll get you a microphone. Uh, you can certainly call us, as we uh, always welcome, at 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six, or sent a text at eight one eight zero seven eight one eight zero seven. Again, we hadn't seen you for a while, and I hope you start feeling better. Yep, before you leave today. Uh, this has been a strange weather year, has it not? It has been very different, and I've heard it across all from all different kinds of gardeners out there and horticulturists that we've had this we had this like explosive spring. In fact, we hardly had a spring. I That's think right. we went right into summer, and from insects to trees to seeds to whatever, uh, we've just had a ton of, of things happen, growing, just extreme growing, and uh, it's really caused a lot of people grief because they have to multitask now in their garden, they have to do all say. these things at the same time. And I think my lawn was like a lot of folks were just thank you for the rain. Yeah. The other day. That yeah, was great. Yeah, we need it badly. At least in this particular uh, part of the world, uh, we've got. Um, I was going to ask Eric about because uh, we get texts from time to time about a sod. How late in the season can one put sod down in your property? Uh, so for the most part, sod is going to be Kentucky bluegrass sod, and Kentucky bluegrass sod can be laid anytime because it just can sit there during the winter in a dormant state. Um, so you're real, that's one of the great things about sod is it's very, very flexible. Uh, you can do that. that just, you can do it. Just, just put it down. You know, it, when there's snow It's flies. not ideal. You might want to, yeah. you know, if you had another, uh, if you could do it earlier, that would be great. But, yeah, it, Kentucky bluegrass has a really good ability to be dormant, uh, so it works really well. If you were, we're starting to see some other grasses in sod, uh, which is good, gives us some more options, but those might not be as good in that situation. But for the sod that most consumers are going to use, uh, you're really flexible. On are hand. we in that good window for uh, seeding? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is a great time to seed. Now through about September 10th is a great time to seed. We get these cool nights, hopefully have some moisture. It's a really, really good time to get some grass going. And, Julie, you commented uh, via text, I think, last, last week. We had a text that they wanted to know about a lawn core aeration. 
uh, should what do in the spring and the fall? I always thought the, or heard that it was the fall is the best time. Fall is the best time. You don't have to do it every year for a home lawn. You know, you might do it every few years, kind of depending on the condition of your lawn. But fall is, you can do it either way, spring or fall, but fall is a little bit better. All right, very good. 651-989-9226 or send a text, 81807. We already have a bunch of text messages. But let's go to the phones. Beverly is calling from Brooklyn Center, I believe. Beverly, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning, Julie. Uh, Good morning. You already answered part of my question about oh, seeding. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it is okay to seed. Now, I have just a very small area, like uh, maybe one yard square. Um, my question is how, how deep do I put the seed, and do I use, since it's such a small area, should I use a potting soil? Is this a lawn area? Yes, yes oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. Um, so... You know, you can get your seed, and then you can kind of, you don't really have to cover it with soil. You, you kind of, depends, it's hard to answer the question about potting soil, but if you think that the, the soil is deficient in some way, you could add a little bit of soil. Um, but mainly what you have to do is get it worked up a little bit, and then uh, drop the seed onto the soil and kind of rake it in very lightly. It doesn't have to be covered very much. So, you know, take the backside of a leaf rake maybe and just kind of drag it across the soil after you put the seed down, and that should be sufficient. All right, very good. Thanks, Beverly. Bob and Wilmer is calling in this morning. Bob, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Say I got a, my wife and I built some uh, planter boxes this spring, and we ordered in some blended dirt, uh, soil. Well, we planted our garden and everything, and, you know, we got seven-foot tomatoes. <laughs> We've got uh, five-foot turnip greens and four-foot <laughs> carrot tops. And the fruit on the bottom is about the size of a pencil. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we need to get our soil tested. Where can we do that? Geez, I'm glad you asked that, Bob, because a soil test is a great a first step to any problem solving in your garden. It sounds to me like you had a lot of manure in that mix. <laughs> And, yeah, that's a lot of nitrogen, and that nitrogen promotes foliage growth. So you got... You know, like you said, your huge turnips and and you got all the leafy green part, but you didn't get a lot of the edible part, the root part. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, probably really high in manure, and that will degrade over time. Um, but you can have a soil test done at the University of Minnesota. It's seventeen dollars for your basic test, and you can go on the website or you can give a call to the soil test laboratory, and they can uh, either send out a packet to you. Or you can download oh. the form, and they'll give you all the information on how to take that soil test and submit it. Okay. It's a really okay. good first step. Good for you. That's that's yeah. a really good first step. All right. Thank you, ma'am. You bet. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. We're going to grab some text messages here in a moment, but I'm going to get to uh, Jody, I believe, who's calling in from uh, Prior Lake. Jody, good morning. Good morning. Morning. <clears throat> I have a couple of questions about the Japanese beetles. And um, first of all, uh, what do you think of the traps? Use them or don't tr- use them? Uh, when is the best time to treat for the grubs? And should you spray or not spray for them? Okay, so the first question is about the traps. Uh, we do not recommend the traps mainly because um, there's a couple reasons. One is they will attract more beetles to your property. And those beetles will do damage on the way to the trap. So it's not that they're going to beeline for that trap. They're going to stop along the way probably and feed. Uh, and, uh, and that could, you know, that'll just increase some of the damage in your yard. As far as the when to treat for grubs, I'm going to leave that for Eric. For, uh, maybe you want to grab that one, Eric, and then I'll come back. 
So if you're gonna if you're gonna treat if you're gonna put an insecticide down, uh, the best time would be kind of here in late summer, early fall, I believe. I'm not an entomologist, but uh, you know there's two options you could you could treat in the spring or the fall. So what you're you know you're not killing the adults. The adults have laid eggs, and those eggs then turn to the larvae, and those those larvae are in the soil now or soon, yep. and uh, they're not very deep yet. And they're smaller, so now's a better time. Or coming up here is a better time to apply that insecticide. If you wait till spring, um, they will have gotten further down in the soil, and they're bigger, so they're a little uh, more difficult to kill. Uh, but uh, this is, you know, coming up here seems like is, is probably the preferred time if you if you if you choose to put down an insecticide. And the one thing to remember is that just because you have adult Japanese beetles in your yard doesn't mean that you have grub issues. So you really want to identify first so you truly have grub issues in your lawn, and you'll see that by patches of totally dead grass because those grubs feed on the roots. And you should be able to pull that grass up kind of like a carpet, and that will indicate that you have grub issues. So that's the first thing. Don't, don't just treat your lawn because you have had adult Japanese beetles. They fly. They're very strong flyers, and uh, you don't need to apply that insecticide unnecessarily. And then your last question is, do you spray for adults? That's, that's kind of a mixed bag because uh, there are some, uh, some uh, research that some of the spraying will help. Uh, it, it depends if you're spraying. If you're spraying a tree, then you want to call in an arborist to do that, and that's a big, bigger project, you know. But most of the damage from Japanese beetles is really aesthetic. It's really not going to kill the plant. In most cases, it's the young trees. Like if you planted a new apple tree and they were feeding on that, that might be something you might spray that tree to protect it. Uh, But you don't want to, you know, and if you have roses, you might spray to protect those too. But um, most of the time a homeowner can manage it just by hand picking those beetles off and, uh, and dealing with them on a kind of a daily basis. Or a labor of love. A labor of love, yeah. <laughs> so we have a lot of good information on our yeah. website about Japanese beetle management as well. I know we have to take a break here, but I want to get the, the text. We have many text messages as well. Here's one that says, uh, I have a Manavilla plant growing in a pot and blooming. What do I do with it for winter and in the spring then? Okay, so you can overwinter that. Manavilla are very uh, big feeders, so you do want to fertilize it, but not excessively in the winter. You want to actually just do like about a quarter of the strength of your uh, fertilizer. Just a home houseplant fertilizer is fine, just all purpose. And then just kind of keep it cut back. It will tend to vine, but you want to manage that plant so it's not putting out a lot of effort growing in the winter because you want it to kind of save its effort for the, for the spring. And then just move it back out once we get into the warmer temperatures. All right. Uh, here's one for Eric. I'd like to kill, Texter says, certain areas of my lawn and then reseed this fall. What's the best way to proceed and be successful? Uh, if you just want to kill existing lawn, use Roundup glyphosate, and that'll work well. And you should you can seed right into it because it's not going to affect the seeds. Uh, so maybe spray right now, let it act for about a week, week or two, and then you should be fine. So even just a week or so. Yeah, fine. a little bit over a week. Kind of depends on you know if the plant's growing actively, that helps get the pesticide sure. inside the plants. And so right. a week or two. Uh, let's uh, take a break. We have more show to come. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Or you can uh, send your uh, lawn or garden question via text, 81807. Oh, yes. Yeah. Julie's dancing. I love that song. Yes. All right. This is our Hi, Smart America. Garden Show. America, you're right. Uh, we uh, are taking questions, as we always do every week. 
Uh, if you're just joining us, thanks for doing so. Again, we're at the Minnesota State Fair here at our broadcast center at WCCO. Julie Weisenhorn is with us, along with Professor Eric Watkins, answering your questions. Now, if you have, uh, right, Julie, correct me if I'm wrong, but Eric, I guess he can speak for himself. That he, <laughs> yeah, he's the turf guy. Send him over to him. All right, we've got this. He's the expert there. Julie has been waiting for this. What to do to get rid of Creeping Charlie? (laughs) It's a weekly question. It's a... a, (laughs) Year-round. It's a big problem. So, um, well, you can pull it, you know, if you've got a lot of time on your hands. Uh, If you want to spray, you can. And now, coming now into the fall is when you want to spray. You want to spray for Creeping Charlie... Uh, now into the fall, and in fact, after we get a little frost, is one of the best times because it's kind of got a waxy layer on its leaf, and that needs to break up a little bit to help get the herbicide in, into the plant. Anyway, when you look for uh, herbicides to use, you want to look for something that has triclopyr in it. Um, so, if you go to any home and garden store, you should be able to find a product with triclopyr that's probably advertised as being really good for creeping Charlie. All right, very good. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Dave is calling from Robbinsdale, I believe. Dave, thanks for waiting. What is your question? What fertilizer or weed killer fertilizer is the best? For for garden or for lawns? For lawns. It's that stuff that says uh, kills the weeds and not the lawn. Is that really work? Yeah, so... uh, Those products are called weed and feed products. Usually you would apply those in the spring, so a lot of those weed and feed products would be really useful if you had a crabgrass problem. So I know I have quite a bit of crabgrass in my lawn right now. So that crabgrass is an annual grass, so it's going to die. But if, if you'll notice, it produces a ton of seed, and all that seed is in your lawn. So now next year, that seed sometime in, like, May, probably depending on the weather, is going to germinate once we start getting warmer days, and you're going to have another crabgrass problem. So a lot of those weed and feed products do two things. They give nitrogen to help your existing grass grow and create some good density to keep the weeds up, but also... They act as a pre-emergent herbicide against crabgrass in the spring. So uh, if you have a crabgrass problem, those weed and feed products are really good uh, to use in the spring. All right. Very good. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Gene, I believe, is calling from White Bear Lake. Gene, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yes, I've lived here about 11 years, and I want to know what's going on with the weeds this year, the garden, <laughs> the lawn, and particularly on the side of the road, the wild grape. and Sure. The- this wild cucumber, is it, with the white? Yeah, wild cucumber. Is that going to kill what it's climbing on? No, wild cucumber is an annual Minnesota vine. It's actually a native vine here in Minnesota, and it's, and, uh, it's very fragile. It'll, you can rip it down. It'll, you know, a good strong wind will blow it off. Uh, it's just in our environment. Um, if you have it in your garden or your own property, you want to just pull it down and find the root and just yank it out. It comes out really easily. And it's an annual. Uh, so as far as what's going on with all the weeds, I think it's, we were just talking about it off air that we had, you know, this, uh, we had the blizzard on April 14th. And then all of a sudden we were kind of <laughs> uh, sent into spring and then summer. And we had uh, extreme heat for a long time. And that causes a lot of plant growth and germination uh, really rapidly, a lot of insect uh, emergence quickly. And uh, I think we're just kind of feeling the results of it this year. 
Well, Eric, okay. if you have anything about your lawns. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, same thing in lawns. You know, like uh, yellow nut sedge is a big problem this year. It's been written, yeah. especially in wet areas. Crabgrass is really taken off. We just had the right conditions for a lot of weed problems. Do we have, uh, can we see pictures? I want to mention the website, too. I don't oh, think sure. we've done that yet. Can we see pictures of this type of grass or this kind of weed in our lawn? Uh, on that website? Yeah, we have a lot of photos on our website at extension.umn.edu. It's got a new look, so don't be, uh, don't be alarmed if you open it up. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, we've got a lot of new information, and we're adding new information all the time. So, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of photos. is one of Adding more photos we've been really focusing on. And the website is? Extension.umn.edu. And then we have a good turf site too yeah turf.umn.edu if you want to learn about some of the research that's going on we throw some uh some information up there about you know there's been videos about reseeding your lawn things like that that you can search and find excellent super helpful good deal we'll take our usual bottom of the hour break we have another half hour of the show to go here on news talk 830 wcco there's uh, some typical garden music for you yeah bb (laughs) by the way this is our smart garden show you sing to the japanese beatles (laughs) Oh, the thrill is gone. (laughs) By the Yard sponsors the show every week, and we really appreciate that. You can see them, by the way, in the Merchandise Mart here at the Minnesota State Fair. Um, Julie and Eric are here answering questions. If you have any questions here in the audience, come up. We'll get you a microphone if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question. But as usual, Julie, we have tons of text and uh, phone calls as well. So I don't want to leave. I just want to get as many as we can here. Uh, This came in earlier this hour. Uh, about an autumn blaze maple, uh, maple uh, chlorosis. How often can trees be treated, do you think? Well, chlorosis is caused by a lack of uh, the ability of the plant to take up iron in the soil or manganese, could be one or the other. And uh, the issue has to do with the pH of the soil. So in the metro area, which uh, and, and a lot of Minnesota, we have a limestone bedrock, and that causes uh, a higher pH in our soil, higher meaning above neutral, uh, which is 7.0. And plants like uh, like this autumn blaze maple, some of our maples, certainly blueberries, azaleas, uh, they all require a low pH, so something under that 7.0. If you have a plant that requires acidic soil and it's growing in alkaline soil, it's going to display this chlorotic uh, appearance, which is yellowing tissue between green veins. Uh, to, to alter your pH is very difficult. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's just the way that our soil is here. We have a higher pH soil in a lot of uh, the state. And, and so altering it is short-term is fine. If you're growing blueberries, we often recommend growing them in straight peat, which is an acidic uh, soil amendment. But for trees, it's really difficult because you're trying to amend a huge amount of your lawn or your property or your soil area. And um, so treating it is really something that's very difficult to do long term. It would be something that if I was uh, if I was committed to that tree in my yard, I would contact a good tree service, certified arborist, and talk to them about how to alleviate this. It's probably going to be a contract that you would have, and they would come out on a regular basis and keep treating that, that space uh, immediately around the plant. So... Um, but, but for a homeowner to do it, it's really, really difficult on a particularly large tree like sure, that. Sure, makes sense. So you and I were going to talk about something when we came back after the break, and I forgot to ask you about what you <laughs> wanted to talk about. Oh, we have a great newsletter called the Yard and Garden News Blog, 
It's actually a blog. Okay. It appears like a newsletter. You can subscribe to it and get uh, we uh, put it out every two weeks. And uh, it's got awesome current information for home gardeners. And uh, right now there's a great article on it about wasps by our entomologist, Jeff Hahn. And this is a time we start seeing a lot of wasps, well, yellow sure. jackets. And so um, th- we su- recommend that people take a look at the blog. All right, good great. information. Good deal. Our friend Sam Bauer sent in a text. Said, <laughs> good to, good hey, to, Sam. Good to hear the duo of Julie and Eric Woo-hoo. at the fair as always. Rock so, on, brother. Thank you, Sam. Sam Bauer, another turf guy. Uh, here's one for Eric, as a matter of fact, a text. How do you get rid of quack grass? Quack grass is a tough one. Um, I think for the, for the homeowner, uh, you're going to spot treat with Roundup. That's about it. Uh-huh. And then... If it's a large area and you have to kill it with Roundup, you're going to just have to reseed, and then you're going to have to do whatever you can to keep that density up. It's just, you know, killing a grass out of a grass is just really difficult, and quack grass with those long rhizomes, it's just a really tough weed to get out of your lawn. So maintaining good turf density, good cultural practices, good fertility in the, in the fall uh, are really good ways to help keep it out. But if you've got it and you've got a lot of it, you're probably going to want to just spot treat it with Roundup. Okay. I'll tell you what, Dennis, let's go back to the phones. I think Sue is calling from Minnetonka for a question for uh, Julina. Go ahead, Sue. What is your question? I have two questions. I had something occur in my lawn that I've never seen before in July. I woke up, and it truly looked like there was snow on my lawn. There were hundreds of uh, spider webs in about maybe a quarter-sized diameter. And I went online and, you know, tried to figure it out. Uh, once we mowed it, um, it did help a lot, but there are still spider webs present in the morning, which may not be unusual, but there are other things going on now in the lawn that may be related, and I don't know if I need to treat with an antifungal or something of that nature. There are brown spots around my lawn. So I guess my, my question is twofold. Is the, you know, what was that spider web thing? And is it related to these brown spots now? Should I be treating with an antifungal, um, something of that nature? Uh, what can you tell me on that? So what I, I think what you saw was is dollar spot. It's a disease that can happen in lawns. It's more more of a problem on like golf courses, golf course greens, um, but certainly it can be a problem in lawns. And what you're seeing in the mornings in these little spots is not spiders, but it's uh, it's the mycelium from from the fungus that's affecting your lawn. So, uh, and then now, now you're seeing these small spots called dollar spots that are, are kind of brown probably, uh, and that's what you have. So you have dollar spot disease. For a home lawn, you wouldn't want to treat it uh, with any chemicals necessarily. Uh, it's pretty easy to get rid of with just increasing the amount of nitrogen you're putting on your lawn. So this is a disease that's really more of a problem when the turf is deficient in nitrogen a little bit. So now it's a good time to fertilize now. I would go out, put some fertilizer down, and I think that's going to take care of your problem. There's a texture that says, do carrots get sweeter if you leave them later in the fall? Oh, that's a good question. Well, some of our root vegetables, they can make it, you know, after the frost, and people do think they get sweeter. So uh, I think it would depend on the variety a little bit, but nothing wrong with leaving them in as as we get into the colder weather. A texter says, is it okay to overseed Kentucky bluegrass? They didn't have a timeline, but... Sure, it's okay. <laughs> That's kind of a vague question. I mean, if you've got, so I don't, I don't know if they're asking if they want to overseed into Kentucky bluegrass with Kentucky bluegrass or, or what. But uh, so if your lawn is a little thin, 
overseeding into the existing lawn with with the, the same kind of grass is a is a great way to kind of improve the density and now would be a good time to do it you might we talked about airification earlier you might kind of pair the two things you airify then drop some seed down to give a little more seed to soil contact and that, that can be a good practice to to kind of beef up the density of your lawn yeah let's go back to the phones mary i believe is calling from new Ulm, minnesota mary you're on cco good morning Thank you for taking my call. I have a summer wine nine bark bush that I had planted uh, several years ago, like sure. three years ago. I was wondering how it's growing a little bit bigger than I wanted. How far can I prune it back? It's about eight feet tall now. Yeah, um, those can get to be big. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the ways that you can uh, prune it is you can head it back. Now, uh, you know, you, I'm sure you've noticed the beautiful flowers in the spring. And right, so if right. you do cut it back now, you're probably going to get a few, you know, some lesser flowering. Um, next okay. year, you would want to cut it back uh, right after it flowers. And, uh, okay. and then you'll be, then it'll be allowed to set bud for the next year. But you can head it back. Oh. You, you can also take it completely down. To about oh, okay. oh about I don't know twelve inches eighteen inches from the ground oh, oh and okay. yeah and bring it down like that and uh, that's called a rejuvenation prune and uh, otherwise you can just head back the different you know the lengths of the if you've got some branches that are excessively large you can just head them back May, mainly bring them down probably about a third of the way but you will have less bloom in the in the spring. All right, I know we have to break here in a moment. We have more show to come. But we were talking about sod. And, oh, we have a question here. You hang on. We'll get to you for sure. Uh, I put down, the text says, sod last fall. It is dead. I'm going to seed this area. Should I take up the old sod and put down black dirt, or can I work the dead sod into the ground and then put seed down? Um. You can work it in if it's really dead and breaking down, uh, but if it's not really broken down very much, I'd pull it up. You probably don't need new soil. I don't. It kind of depends on what was underneath there, but you could pull up that uh, dead sod and then till it up a little bit. Uh, if it's really broken down, you could till it in, but it's probably not right. It's probably big chunks. I'd probably get get it off before you. That would see make it. sense yeah. to me. What is your first name, please? Rose. Rose is a good name. Perfect. Rose, what's your question? My question is: I listen every Saturday. Great oh, show. Oh, thank you. Uh, but. Do you, is it better to till in the fall or in the spring? I've always done it in the spring, but if I do it in the fall, I probably have to do the fall and the spring, right? Tilling your garden space? Yes. Is it a vegetable garden? Yes. So uh, I, I think you could do it probably either time. But I think if you do it in the fall, you're going to see some compaction of soil in the spring. Oh. Um, however, if you do till it... Um, uh, in the spring, you will be turning up some weed seeds probably, too. Yeah. So, I, just, I yeah. clean it all out. Yeah. I just don't. And yeah. we put grass clippings in in the fall. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Well, you want to till those in. That would be great. Okay. So oh, in the um, fall, I should till them? You should turn them into the soil, yeah, oh. so they can break down over the, over oh. the remainder well, of the good. fall. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Rose. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks for listening, too. All right, let's take a quick break. We have more show to come here live from the Minnesota State Fair on News Talk 830 WCCO. Boss Skaggs. Yes, indeed. All right, welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on 830 WCCO, brought to us by By the Yard Patio Furniture every week. Uh, Julie and Eric are uh, with us this, this morning helping you out with really long, a lot of lawn. Eric and I were talking. We had a lot, a lot of lawn questions oh, yeah. today. 
Uh, let's see. Here's another one. Uh, how late in the fall should I keep watering the lawn and shrubs, for that matter? Uh, you know, the lawn, if, it, if we have a really dry fall, we've had several really dry falls. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, you don't have to water it a lot. But if, it, if we have several weeks of no rain, you want to you keep it wet because you want to do some irrigation because, you know, those plants are preparing for winter and they're acclimating, getting ready to survive a really long, cold winter. So there's stuff going on there. They're growing. They're uh, producing carbohydrates for getting through the winter. So you want to still be watering. You don't have to water a lot probably. But if we have another dry fall this year like we've had in the past, you're going to want to do some irrigation late in the fall. What would you say about uh, the time of year for fertilizing lawns? So now is the best time, right now through September. You, know, you need you want, to do it in the spring, too? or not? You can't. It kind of depends on the grass you have. If you have a, what we call like a higher input lawn where you want it to be really nice and green and thick all the time, oh, yeah. maybe Kentucky bluegrass, you might, you'll probably do a little fertilization in the spring. But if you're only fertilizing once a year, you would do it in the fall. In the fall. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, let's see. Oh, we've got so many. Is Roundup safe to use on a garden? When you need to, quote, reboot a garden that is overrun <laughs> with weeds, what's the best and safest way to restore a vegetable garden that has gone bad? Okay, so because it's qualified as a vegetable garden, I'll say that it's all annuals primarily. If they're growing asparagus, you've got to be really careful if you use a, a non-selective herbicide like Roundup or glyphosate is the active ingredient in Roundup. Um, it's fine to use that. It's... Um, uh, that would certainly take care of some of the existing weeds that are there, any perennial weeds that might have uh, shown up. But bear in mind that in the spring, you're going to have annual seeds that germinate there. So the soil holds an awful lot of, um, an awful lot of uh, seed from our like crabgrass, like uh, Eric was talking about. So that's one of the things to be careful about is that the glyphosate isn't going to affect seeds for next year but they'll affect the perennials for uh, any perennial weeds now. One, one thing, uh, Julie brought up a good point. You know, the active ingredient is glyphosate, and um, that's what you want to look for. There's a lot of, uh, there's, when you go look for uh, pesticides at, the, at Home Depot or something, there's other Roundup-type yeah. products out there now, and you want to really be careful that what you're buying is going to work on the area that you're treating. And sometimes there's some confusion about the way they're labeling things now, so you want to be really careful. 651-989-9226, or if it's easier, send a text, 81807. Text says, I have a raspberry patch that's been around decades. Up until nine years ago, fruit set, there are both one- and two-year canes. The canes blossom. Uh, there are bees. I think it continues. Uh, the plants are in sandy soil. Blossoms no longer set fruit. They do get runoff water from the garage. What can we do to get this back? So raspberries are big feeders, and meaning that they need to be fertilized. And it might be time to renovate your uh, raspberry patch, and you can do that by removing in the spring, now this will be in the spring, to remove the plants that are showing active growth, to clean out any old canes, which sounds like it's an old patch. You've probably been doing that. but uh, to And then to really mix in some good fertilizer into that soil and then replant your, uh, your canes that are actively growing. So um, that's sometimes we, we kind of, you know, see great production, great production, then all of a sudden it starts to dwindle. Uh, but, it's, but remember that those fruiting plants really need a lot of fertilizer. They're putting out a lot of effort to produce that fruit. 
All right. <clears throat> we have, again, so many text messages uh, we can run through them. Here's one. Do turkeys help keep grubs under control? <laughs> we have them combing our yard every day. Oh, well, they do, uh, they do eat little weeds and they eat little bugs and they pick away at stuff. Um, but I don't think they're going to be doing much for grubs. They're going to have to dig down a little bit to get to those grubs. So um, I, I, that's a great question, though. When to prune newly planted privet hedge is a text. I would let it go for a year. I wouldn't worry about pruning it unless it's got kind of a wanky branch sticking out of it that's clearly out of place. Then you could head that back. But I would let that plant get established really well. Uh, and be sure to water your plants, um, particularly shrubs, evergreens in particular, as we go into this, uh, this fall, because those plants are really putting a lot of effort into holding those needles and leaves through the, through the winter. So be sure that you're doing a lot of good watering, uh, particularly, you know, based on rainfall, of course. Dexter wants to know when to fertilize trees with those tree spikes. That would be when the plant is actively growing. So you'd want to wait until spring for that. And uh, right now, uh, I don't think I would fertilize trees because we're, uh, we're trying to get, they're going to start moving into dormancy now, and we don't want to promote a lot of active new growth. So in the spring, you could do that once the soil thaws out. Here's an interesting question. What dates do you consider uh, it to be, quote, fall in Minnesota regarding plants and lawns? When they say early or late fall on a label, when is that? That's a good question. It's <laughs> a very good question. <laughs> uh, for, for lawn care, we kind of consider early fall like now, right? Like, you know, September 1st, late August, September 1st. Is kinda, when we say early fall, that's kind of what we mean. Uh, I don't know about these labels, but like when we say, you know, fertilize in the early fall, we mean now through September. Or if we say seed in the early fall, we really mean, you know, technically it's late summer, we mean early September. All right, very good. I have to agree. We have uh, 60 seconds to go. That's it. What? Well, it's good to see no both way. of you. Yes, you know what we should do is uh, mention the website. Yeah, again. let's mention that. So it's extension.umn.edu. And uh, click on Yard and Garden, and uh, we've got a lot of new information out there. It's a new look. So if you're familiar with the old one, you might want to refresh your bookmarks. And be sure to take a look at the Yard and Garden News blog. Uh, there we have got current information, and particularly there's a WASP uh, article from Jeff Hahn, our entomologist, which will really answer a lot of issues about yellow jackets and some of those uh, pests that are out there right now. Not pests, but pesky insects. Critters. Critters. Right. And then the turf, we have a turf uh, site, too. Yeah, turf.umn.edu. You can search on there for some videos and things for some of your fall lawn practices. Well, Julie, I know I'll see you down the road. Eric, yep. I hope to see you again yeah. next year at this next time. Year, sure. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.